Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast and this episode is going to be a very special one because we have this Jennifer Carnehan. She is based in Minnesota and is the founder and general manager of Primrose. Hi Jennifer, thank you for joining us today. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So to give some sort of brief background to our listeners, could you please take us through your career journey so far? Yeah, so my career journey has been a bit of an interesting one that's taken different twists and turns along the way. Um, but I started my journey by leaving my home state of Minnesota, and I did my undergraduate collegiate education out in Syracuse, New York. And then after school, I spent the first five years of my career working in sports marketing. So I worked for Major League Baseball teams, the Florida Marlins, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and then an NBA team, the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I did marketing and sponsorships for five years, and then I shifted paths and worked in marketing and uh, went back to school and got my master's of business administration degree from the University of Minnesota. And I kind of climbed the corporate ladder working for some of the top global consumer giants like McDonald's Corporation, General Mills, Swarovski, and uh, also a business-to-business company called Ecolab. And then that led me to where I am today. I stepped away from the safety net of the corporate world and founded my first business, a retail store called Primrose Park. And within the first couple of years of doing that, I had opened three new businesses and uh, started building my mini retail empire. And that's kind of where I am today. I must say that that's been an amazing journey and I hope it goes like that as well. Um, I hope you flourish and you achieve all the dreams that you have. So if you could just tell... And tell our listeners a little bit about Primrose Park that, okay, what were your ideas behind starting it? Because you carry such a sort of experience from different industries altogether. Yeah. So I always have had a love and passion for fashion and travel. And I thought, okay, how can I create this business where I can bring styles to Minnesota and the upper Midwest that, you know, are hard for me to find here, right? Because I would tend to buy all of my clothes when I'd be traveling. And so the name Primrose Park actually came from one of my favorite neighborhoods in London, uh, a neighborhood called Primrose Hill, which is right by Regent's Park. And so I thought, okay, let me blend the two of them together. And so that's how I came up with the name Primrose Park. So it's a women's specialty store. You know, I carry everything from dresses and clothing to jewelry, accessories and some, you know, gifts. And uh, my store is now online. And, you know, I was expanding for a while, uh, several years ago. And then I decided to kind of just pause and reset the brand. But now I'm in expansion mode again. So it's very exciting that it allows me to bring these great styles to the upper Midwest and beyond now with the online store, and then share my story with people of how the name came about through my love of travel. Amazing. And I I really want to like, um, wish you all the best for this expansion. I hope it comes really soon. And you know, you your fruits come to um, the destination. So you also happen to be a business coach because all this while you're you know, running three to four ventures all together and obviously an entrepreneur. So how do you see, see businesses 
navigating through the tough times, I'm sure there could have been a lot of issues due to navigate through COVID especially. And then again, the economy, economy slowed down a bit around the world. So does all this impact your business in any way and how do you navigate through? Yeah, I mean, I think COVID was tough on businesses that had brick and mortar locations, right? But we saw a huge upswing in online-based businesses during COVID because everybody was stuck at home, you know, sheltering in place. And so people really relied on their connectivity to the world through the internet, right? Through social media. And so we saw those businesses really grow and we're still seeing that continue now. So when I look at different businesses, especially with kind of the ebbs and flows in the economy and here in the U.S., we've had a high inflation. I know other places in the world have as well. The businesses that continue to do well, which includes my own, are the businesses that have never really strayed from their core foundation of how they were developed and created and haven't swayed from who their core consumer is, how their marketing approach is, right? And staying on focus and on brand and on their strategic path. The businesses that have kind of veered from the core of who they are and their core foundation elements, those are the ones that I've seen take a dip or have maybe gone out of business altogether. And I have several uh, friends that are business owners as well. And those individuals that have really veered and tried to do different things instead of staying true to what their brand is, those are the ones that haven't made it. So I always tell everybody, stay true to your core business, who your core customer is, stay on your strategic plan. And if you do that, you will be able to weather the bumps and the economic challenges that we have and your business will come out ahead. Yeah, very accurately said. So obviously there are some of the pain points that every entrepreneur has to go through, which we, you know, nobody, no school or college in the world can teach you. It's just, it's just going to come on your way when you actually do it. So what were some of the bumps that you got to see while you were running a business? Was there anything that just came out of the blue and you were like really baffled at that particular point of time? Yeah, I think when you're when you become a new business owner or an entrepreneur, there's so many things that you just don't know. And you yeah. can do as much research up front, as much planning. You can write the best business plan in the world. But once you get into the real life and the real world and the process of starting a business, you're just gonna hit road bumps that you don't even know are going to exist. Right. I certainly had a lot of those. And some of the biggest mistakes I made um, that I learned from is hiring the wrong people, right? So whether I hired the wrong contractors, I didn't hire the right marketing partnership agency, I didn't have the right types of employees in my business that really understood my vision and mission, right? And then that impacted overall, you know, sales or the ability to launch the way I wanted to or for my brand to resonate out to the public the way I envisioned it. And so those are things that as I was going through the process, I realized, hey, this isn't the right partnership for me, but let me find a way to get out of it gracefully. Unfortunately, when you make those commitments and bring on consultants or agencies or individuals, you're spending money. And so it's an expensive lesson to learn, but it's also a good one to learn and to make those mistakes early on versus making them three, four, five years later down the road. Very true. So considering uh, like you you worked with quite a few big companies before you started your own venture i just also got to know that you worked with Swarovski, which is like a huge global brand so you were working with them as a global marketing director so how would you define your experience with working with such a big organization that a lot of people it could be like a dream company for many for many people out there listening to this podcast as well so yeah i was 
Yeah. Yeah. I would say um, working for some of these big global, global companies, Swarovski included, it really taught me the core foundational elements of marketing and branding and how to do it strategically, not just in the US, but globally, right? How to take a brand global, how to keep that brand global, the importance of brand loyalty, brand identity, brand positioning, right? Knowing who your primary customer is, your secondary customer, and bridging all of that together. And I think that's what helped set me up for incredible success when I went to start my own business, because I had worked for these huge companies that invest so much money in training their employees, right? It wasn't just going to work every day as a job. It was also like ongoing education on the job, yeah. going through different trainings, sitting in different seminars, right? Networking with people across a global organization, working cross-functionally, learning how to manage teams, how to handle different situations. Um, when I was in the corporate world, that's when digital marketing was kind of just hitting the upswing. And so I got to learn along with everybody else, okay, what does that look like? How do we now have to shift our whole annual marketing budget to include digital marketing? And what does that look like, right? And how do we now get into social? So it was very interesting in that it really taught me outside of my collegiate education of how to really be a good brand steward and how critical that is to every business's success. Yeah, very true. So another aspect of running a business is usually to keep yourself updated with what's happening in the market. It could be in terms of the new technology coming in or how you're leveraging the modes of maybe promoting your business. So how do you make sure that, you know, you keep yourself updated with all these things? Do you have a team in place or you yourself look after it? Or do you, everyone works in an amalgamation to find out what works the best for the firm? Yeah. So for me, it's kind of a hybrid, right? I rely on my team to keep me updated, but I also rely on myself to make sure that I'm keeping up to date on industry trends or what's new, right? Um, where marketing is going and watching, you know, different news stories, reading different articles, um, finding those opportunities out there to attend seminars or conferences and networking with people there across different industries and functional areas to make sure that I'm always up to date. And I'm not behind on where the marketplace is going. Yeah. So if you had to like sort of describe your journey of running Primrose Park into like into a very few words, how would you describe it? How has your experience been so far? Um, I would say if I had to describe it in a couple of words, I would say it's been very enriching, educational and inspiring because I've grown so much as a business leader, but also as an individual through leaving the corporate world and starting my own business and successfully now entering year nine of that business and looking to go through rapid expansion over the next couple of years. I think that everything I've done in my life up to this point has set me up for where I am today and, and the future of the business. Which is commendable. And I wish you all the best for everything that comes on the way ahead. So next thing that we're going to talk about is something which, I mean, March was, we just you know, got through March and we've entered April and March was the month of women's history. So how do you think the state of women have changed, especially at the leadership levels, because you yourself happen to be a powerful woman who've held various leadership leadership positions uh, during your corporate career and now you're running your own business. So how do you think the state of women or where share of women, women at the helm of affairs have changed? I think it's improved from where it was, let's say 20 or 30 years ago, but I still don't think it's where it needs to be. 
there are still so many roadblocks and glass ceilings, especially in the corporate world, that make it difficult for women to get to the top because you are constantly seeing men still being picked over women. And even if you look at the Fortune 500 companies in the United States, you know, there's such a small percentage of the CEOs that are women leaders. You know, when you go to look at business creation, as women, we can start our own businesses and we can start successful businesses. And so it's great to see so many women jumping into that and having great success. But I'd really love to see holistically around the world, women being elevated to more equal levels in the workplace as men. And I still think there's a very long way to go, but I'm a big proponent of supporting other women, no matter what step they are in their journey and their career process and doing everything I can to help them succeed, whether it's mentoring them if they're trying to climb the ladder in a big corporation or whether they're trying to start their own business. You know, how can I take my experience and share it with them to set them up for the best success possible? Kudos to you on all, all the good work that you've been doing. So how does Primrose Park make sure that, okay, some organization comes out as a very inclusive organization? I mean, obviously, we're not just talking about women out there. We're talking about other minorities, it could be LGBTQ people, or it could be somebody who comes from a different background altogether. It could be plus people, women of color or anyway. So how does your organization make sure that everybody has a level playing field out there? Yeah. So in my organization, I'm really intentional about, like I said, the partners that I work with. I want to make sure that it is reflective of my view on the world and the experiences I've had as being, you know, an adopted Korean growing up in the United States. Um, so I'm very intentional about that and inclusive always. And I do to make sure that the brands that we're bringing in, right, that they're from businesses that practice those same standards that I have, because I don't like to work with businesses that have a different view if that makes sense yeah it does so now we've discussed the word next thing and the last thing that we're going to talk about is you happen to be a travel enthusiast as i got to know when i was scrolling your linkedin so could you please share some of your great experiences of various countries that you've been through and you know what what really goes into your mind when you visit so many countries i mean do you pick some sort of learnings from there and put it into practice or what are your key takeaways i have to put it down Yeah. So I visited my 59th country earlier this year and I've been to six continents. So I still have to get to Antarctica. And then within the United States, I've been to 45 of our states. It's for me, when I travel, I actually really like to travel alone because when you travel alone, it forces you to get outside your comfort zone and meet people. And I like to have authentic experiences where I'm learning about the country's culture, their history, their politics, right? Their religion, like every aspect of it and take as much of it in as I can. So to me, no trip is complete unless I've walked away learning something, right? And learning more than one thing. But whenever people ask me, what's the what's your favorite place you've been? It's hard for me to say because there's so many wonderful places in the world um, that I can't just pick one. But you know, I was recently in Colombia in January, and that was an incredible experience. Colombia had been on my bucket list for like 10 years, and I kept booking trips there, but I'd have to cancel because something would come up with work or something would come up with a personal situation, and I couldn't go. But I finally made it, and I absolutely loved it there. So I will be going back in the next year or two. And then, you know, I, I actually really enjoy Europe and the Middle East. One of my favorite countries over there is Jordan. I had such an incredible time when I visited Jordan. The people were so kind. You know, I learned so much. Obviously, where it's situated, there's so much politically to learn as well. And I love Southeast Asia. Every country there that I've been to is great, right? 
Myanmar was very eye-opening for me because it had just reopened to tourism a few years before I went. And just talking with the people that I met there and seeing how they live and understanding the challenges they face as well. It was just really interesting. Um, but there are so many wonderful places. So I always encourage people, get beyond the standard companies that Americans travel to, like, you know, go beyond Paris, go beyond London, Italy. go past Germany, right? Like go past Italy, go to other places that you wouldn't maybe think to travel to or that Americans typically don't travel to. Like I also last fall, I did a trip through the Baltics. So I started in Finland, went all the way down. Ultimately, I got to Poland, Austria, then Germany and made my way back. But when I was in those countries, they were like, what are you doing over here as an American? Americans never travel here. Which is an amazing thing. I mean, it's always like to, you know, go to different countries because you just don't want to confine yourself to a few countries. So taking this uh, opportunity, have you ever been to India? I have, yes. Two of my good friends here that I met in Minnesota and in business school, one's from Delhi and one's from Mumbai. So I went over for, I think it was 10 or 11 days for their wedding. And we traveled to Goa. And then we also went to see the Taj. So I had a great experience there. It was um, very different for me, but being able to actually be there for the wedding and getting to meet their friends and their family and being a part of that culture was um, a delight. And I really enjoyed the experience. It's so good. I'm so happy to hear that. And with this, we come to the end of this podcast. Thank you, Jennifer, for giving us your time and you know, coming on board with us for this podcast. I'm so grateful. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode. Thank you for having me.